Welcome to today's podcast. We're very fortunate to have Dr. Karkanis online with us today, and she's going to be discussing her paper and the current issue of hepatology entitled Steroid Use in Acute Liver Failure. So welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm honored to be here today to discuss the implications of this paper. Super. Well, this was a a very well-done paper. It's a retrospective study done by the drug-induced and intermediate acute liver failure group that actually went in to their database and conducted a retrospective analysis of autoimmune, indeterminate, and drug-induced acute liver failure in their acute liver failure study group from 1998 to 2007. And the goal of this paper was to evaluate the efficacy of corticosteroids in improving overall survival and spontaneous survival in three groups of acute liver failure with with a potentially autoimmune-mediated pathogenesis. And those were autoimmune acute liver failure, indeterminate acute liver failure, and drug-induced acute liver failure. So I want to turn it over to Dr. Karkanis and let her just kind of talk through how they put the study together and then we'll we'll just mention some top-line results and then some implications for how you can take this data and use it in your own clinical practice. And then also some some, uh, limitations of what we need to recognize from this study and, and some answers that we still need to discover. So I'll turn it over to Dr. Karkanis. Thank you, Stephen. So this study was actually prompted and, and arose when I was a resident in the ICU. And so, you know, as we often do in the ICU, I was giving a patient stress dose steroids in the setting of septic shock. And in the very next bed, I actually had a patient who was decompensating from acute liver failure, thought secondary to drug-induced liver injury from Plavix. And I had read some case reports about drug-induced liver injury either inducing an autoimmune picture or mimicking an autoimmune picture based on biopsy and autoantibodies. So theoretically, you know, she may benefit from steroids as well. But at the same time, she was very sick, she was peritransplant, and I, I didn't want to increase her risk of infection. So as any good resident, I discussed the case with my attending, and ultimately we chose not to give steroids. But, you know, the question remained, would she have benefited from steroids? And so in order to study the question, we felt the best way would be to use the acute liver failure study group database to get it on a larger scale. So for those who don't know, the acute liver failure study group is a consortium of investigators and clinical centers that consolidate data and biosamples of acute liver failure patients from across the U.S. And it was founded um, and is directed by Willie at UT Southwestern. And it's fantastic because this is such a rare clinical syndrome. In order to be able to consolidate all the data, you really get a wealth of information. And we use this to kind of figure out whether steroids would help or hurt. And so, as Stephen mentioned, it was a retrospective analysis from 1998 to 2007. And we chose the three groups only, AI, autoimmune acute liver failure, drug-induced acute liver failure, and indeterminate for very specific reasons. So, autoimmune, theoretically, should have a benefit with steroids based on, you know, the classic, classic autoimmune having a benefit and certain case reports. And then, as mentioned earlier, drug-induced was thought in some studies to be immune-mediated and, in fact, on biopsy often looks like autoimmune. And the third category we chose was indeterminate or cryptogenic. And the reason we chose this was based on previous data by Stravitz et al. and a few other papers that showed that indeterminate acute liver failure on biopsy, many of these patients actually had features of autoimmune 
acute liver failure. And so this group might potentially benefit as well. And so, you know, our inclusion was essentially the same as the acute liver failure study group database, INR greater than 1.5 in encephalopathy. And our primary endpoint was survival and spontaneous survival, which we defined as survival without transplant. And our primary predictors as expected is steroid use. And we then did subgroup analysis using quartiles of AST, ALT, MELD to determine whether the severity really altered the benefit of steroids. And also we looked at stages of encephalopathy and infection rate. The other kind of unique aspect to this was, you know, based on the previous study that indeterminate patients have uh, features of autoimmune, we, for the AI, ALF, and indeterminate patients, the liver pathology was specifically reviewed to identify for features of autoimmunity. And then the effects of corticosteroids were then analyzed in a sensitivity analysis after group reassignment according to the overall impression of the pathologist, whether it met criteria for AI, ALF, or not. And so those reassignment features were basically distinctive patterns of massive necrosis, lymphoid follicles, plasma cells, and central perivenulitis. But, you know, even after we did that reassignment, it didn't change our results very much because only two patients were reclassified from AI to indeterminate that had received steroids, and only four patients that were reclassified from indeterminate to AI had received steroids. So, you know, since the N was very small, we did do the recalculations, but as it didn't change the results much, all analyses were done with the original diagnosis, which, as Stephen mentioned, was the autoimmune 66 patients, indeterminate 164 patients, and drug-induced 131 patients. So the characteristics of the patients was essentially very similar. As expected, the AI patients tended to have more females and had more ANA positivity. The Overall, there was about 17% of patients who had some forms of steroids used, and as expected, the group that had autoimmune had about 38% versus 12% in the drug-induced or only 13% in the indeterminate. Now, because it was a retrospective study, the corticosteroid information obviously couldn't be controlled for. And so the decision to use corticosteroids, the dose used, the duration, all varied based on the individual PI. But surprisingly, even though it was retrospective, the data in terms of the prednisone dosing and duration ended up being quite similar. So some patients received, in fact, the majority received prednisone, and a smaller proportion received methylprednisolone. So to make it more uniform, we use prednisone dose equivalents per day. And for the AI group, it was 50. For DI, it was 60. And for indeterminate, it was about 40. And the duration for all was roughly about a month. So 24 days for AI, 32 for DI or drug-induced, and 31 for indeterminate. Just to give you an idea of the amounts of steroids used and the duration. And so based on that, we then looked to see whether, you know, the effects on survival and spontaneous survival really varied. So overall, 66 patients survived, 34% died, and 44% had a liver transplant. But surprisingly, steroids really did not affect overall survival at all. So it was 61% for the steroid group versus 66% for patients that didn't receive steroids. And I think most surprising to most readers will be the fact that the autoimmune group didn't have a benefit as well. And to give you the exact numbers, it was 60% in the group that received steroids 
versus 73% than the group that did not receive steroids with a P of 0.27. And even when we reclassified the data based on pathology, it was still no benefit, 66% versus 68% with a P of 0.53. What also is interesting is when we looked at spontaneous survival. So here, we actually seemed initially to see a slight benefit with steroids. So to give you the exact numbers, because though there's a benefit, it's, it's quite small, the overall spontaneous survival in the group that did receive steroids was 35% versus 23% in the group that did not receive steroids. And our P here was statistically significant with a P of 0.047. However, that improvement really didn't translate to any particular diagnosis and most notably did not translate to the autoimmune acute liver failure diagnosis. So there, it was 32% in the group that received steroids versus 20% in the group that did not receive steroids with a P of 0.25. We then looked at the outcomes based on the severity of ALS, and very, very interestingly was the fact that the highest 50% of ALT values, so using our cutoffs, just to give you a sense in terms of clinical terms, that was about 700 IUs and above, that group had a improvement in spontaneous survival with steroids. So 54% survival in the steroid group versus 25% spontaneous survival in the non-steroid group with a P of 0.003. We also found that there was lower survival in patients who had the highest quartile of MELD. So a MELD greater than 40, the spontaneous survival was only 43% versus 70% with a P of 0.03. And then to kind of control for other, you know, risk factors, we did univariate and multivariate analysis. And in terms of the univariate analysis looking at overall mortality, the main factors that we found that contributed to mortality were age, which is an odd ratio of 1.37 per 10 years, which is not surprising, coma grade, which really impacted mortality with an odds ratio of 2 for stage 2, 2.65 for stage 3, and 5.29 for stage 4, MELD with an odds ratio of 1.07 per MELD point, and pH less than 7.4 had an odds ratio of 3.09. When looking at spontaneous survival on univariate analysis, initially it looked like it may, steroids may be beneficial. They had an odds ratio of 1.8 and a P of 0.049, but unfortunately when we did the multivariate analysis, it didn't translate through. And, in fact, for spontaneous survival, the only real uh, markers were, you know, ventilation obviously had worse spontaneous survival, as did MELD, um, but ALT had a beneficial effect. So for each 100 IUs, the odds ratio was 1.02. And finally, we looked at infection, which, again, I think is very surprising that despite the use of steroids, the infection rate in the group that received steroids was 42%, which is very similar to the infection rate in the group that didn't receive steroids at 40% with a P of 0.733. So, you know, overall kind of looking at this, I think the thing that strikes everyone the most is the fact that AI-ALF really didn't have the benefit that we would expect from steroids. And, you know, some would say, well, you know, that's because perhaps, you know, there's a selection bias, the, the group that received steroids was sicker than the group that didn't receive steroids, but I don't think that's the case because the meld across all three groups was very similar, and if you actually look at the baseline characteristics of the patients that received steroids versus those that didn't, 
the group that received steroids actually had a lower INR, and that was statistically significant. So theoretically, they were actually, you know, a little bit healthier, and still no improvement was seen. So then we wonder, why is that? And I think, you know, it's just that acute autoimmune may just be pathogenically, histologically just different than the classic autoimmune. And I think that's been shown in previous studies and is supported here that these patients tend to have on pathology central lobular necroinflammatory changes that those are also features of severe treatment refractory AIH and acute cellular rejection in transplant patients. So that pathology, I think, is just harder to treat. The other thing which kind of came out from the study, which may not be as surprising, is the fact that patients with a higher ALT really benefited from steroids. And I, I don't, I think that's exciting to hear, but I don't know that it's super surprising because, you know, ALT has been shown in previous studies to kind of be a marker of liver regeneration. And it just could be a higher ALT, maybe a surrogate for an inflammatory process that's more corticosteroid sensitive than other mechanisms of injury. So to kind of put it all together and, you know, just in terms of, okay, so how, how can we use this as a clinician? I mean, you know, granted, our study was retrospective. And so the biggest, I think, dilemma with this is the fact that the steroid use, the dose, the duration, it wasn't uniform. But despite the retrospective nature, it, just looking at the numbers, they're actually worked out to be fairly similar. And so, you know, you have to take that into account when you look at the results. But I think given the large magnitude of patients, the fairly similar steroid dosage, I think we have enough data to suggest that two things. One, patients with a higher ALT, so greater than 700 based on our numbers, and lower MELD would really benefit from a biopsy. And they're probably the more likely to respond favorably to steroid administration, just given, you know, both our logistical regression and the improvement based on ALT. And the group with the lower ALT and a higher MELD or greater than 40 is really not likely to respond to steroids. And so in that case, a liver biopsy is not warranted. And in fact, actually, it would be detrimental. And, you know, I think in the interim, you know, I think future studies have to be done. But I think this is enough to say that really the risks and benefits of corticosteroids should be carefully weighed. And early discontinuation should really be considered in the absence of a clear beneficial effect, especially in the high meld group patients. That would be my takeaway from all of this. Well, thank you. That was a very succinct and well-done kind of review of your paper and thoughts on what got you going with this from the very beginning. Thank you for sharing that. And then and then your, your kind of cogent uh, description of your takeaway point. Let me ask you one more question in reference Absolutely. to the liver biopsy. And we talked a little bit about that. And clinicians often ask, or it comes up in practice, what's the benefit of doing a liver biopsy? So if I have an ALT of, of say, 800 and I have a MELD of 9, and I'm concerned this is drug-induced liver injury, and I'm contemplating the use of corticosteroids, doing a liver biopsy, is there something I'm looking for there that you guys, you know, when you mentioned doing a liver biopsy, am I looking for interface hepatitis with plasma cells? What's going to be my impetus to pull the trigger to do corticosteroids? Or is it, you know, if I've ruled out the standard repertoire of things that I want to eliminate before using corticosteroids, and my ALT is higher than 700, let's say, and I have a low MELD score, could I just not go ahead and give steroids? I think you raise an excellent point, and obviously a lot will depend on the patient's clinical condition at the time. 
But I think where the biopsy potentially would be helpful is the fact that, you know, a lot of patients are classified as, quote, indeterminate, and that's just because they don't have, you know, several, you know, autoimmune serologies or, or meet, you know, the AAH, International Hepatitis Calculator Criteria. But on biopsy, if they have one massive hepatic necrosis, two lymphoid follicles, three plasma enriched infiltrate, and four central periventriculitis, then it's more likely this autoimmune acute liver failure pattern, which is less recognized but important. Because if it has those features, that group would be more likely to benefit from the steroids. Okay. I got you. Well, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy practice to, to go through this with us and our listeners. And we're certainly looking forward to your continued work with drug-induced and acute liver injury in general. So thank you for your time today. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I think it's great what you're all doing here with the podcast. Sounds awesome. Well, have a great weekend. Thank you, too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.